Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good morning. Over and out. The desperate scramble to evacuate intensifies in Afghanistan with the end of month deadline to get tens of thousands of Americans and Afghans to safety. We are getting them lined up and we are getting them on planes. But this is an hour by hour issue. The Taliban promising not to interfere, but the U.S. military not taking chances securing the airport as they race to complete the emergency airlifts and overnight. President Biden returns to the White House to face the growing political fallout. We've got complete coverage from Washington and Kabul straight ahead. Take three health officials set to unveil the plan today for all Americans to get vaccine booster shots. But we don't want to wait until it's like, oh, too late. The COVID crisis continues to spiral and cases are skyrocketing in children just as the school year begins. What you need to know with the former acting director of the CDC. Flooding fears from the south all the way to Vermont as remnants of Fred move slowly up the east coast. While out west, dangerous new wildfires explode, prompting new evacuations. The latest and Al's forecast just ahead. Those stories plus astronaut in training, the cancer survivor hard at work preparing for her historic trip to space. Right now I just feel nothing but excitement and the good butterflies. She'll join us for an exclusive live interview on her mission and using it to help kids at the very hospital that once saved her life. And ready or not, from drinks to snacks, fall's favorite flavor already here. Why earlier than ever, we're seeing pumpkin spice and one guy not feeling everything nice about it. Today, Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. Nice to have you with us on this Wednesday morning. Yeah, another busy one. A lot to get to concerning the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the Taliban takeover, and also what is next. As of this morning, up to 15,000 Americans are still in Afghanistan, the U.S. racing to get them back home. But officials say Taliban checkpoints are making it difficult to get those outside of Kabul safely to the airport. We are also hearing from Malala Yousafzai, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, who at age 15, was shot in the face by a Taliban gunman on her way home from school. She released an op-ed for the New York Times saying, in part, there will be time to debate what went wrong, but, quote, in this critical moment, we must listen to the voices of the Afghan women and girls. We have no time to spare. We've got full coverage this morning. We'll start in Kabul with NBC's Richard Engel. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. A surprising admission from the Taliban, one of their top leaders just today telling NBC News that even they were surprised that Kabul fell so quickly, that they didn't have the resources in place to take the city, but they took the city nonetheless. And here from this very base, the evacuation of Americans and American contractors and foreign contractors is now moving along very quickly. 
We made it onto the military side of Kabul airport, the last place in Afghanistan where the American flag still flies. Here is where the United States is overseeing an elaborate evacuation from the country. This has become effectively the last U.S. military base in Afghanistan, the last presence of American troops in this country after 20 years. And they're only focused on one thing, wrapping it up. The evacuation is mostly focused on airlifting Americans and other foreign nationals, and Afghans who managed to obtain visas and who are happy to leave. Peace. Two days ago, it looked very different here. This side of the airport was overwhelmed when thousands of Afghans stormed the runways, cramming onto commercial planes, which got so full, pilots wouldn't take off. They scrambled to board American military transport jets, clinging on as they taxied for takeoff. Afghan media reports several people had fallen to their deaths as they tried to hold on to aircraft in flight. I spoke to a group of Afghans who all worked on this base for years, earning around $500 a month to be cleaners and cooks. Not one has obtained a visa. And what would happen to you or you or you if you go back home? Are you worried for your safety? Absolutely. You know, before a few days, now Taliban searching the homes. If you go outside, of course they will kill us. What bothers them isn't just the lack of action, but the lack of concern. This is the first time that somebody ask about our lives. Nobody before come to ask what's your problem, what your problem, family have been dangerous or no, nobody. So this us yeah, this talking is the first, to you? This, this is the first time. You told some Americans, please give me the recommendation letter so they say, oh no, sorry. Just outside the airport, there are still many Afghans pushing to get in, including many women begging to get out of the country so they don't have to live under the Taliban. As overnight, Afghanistan's new presumptive leader arrived in Kandahar, driving through the Islamist stronghold in a protected convoy. The Taliban now in charge are promising to protect human rights, including for women. But do they mean it? When a reporter from Vice News asked Taliban fighters their opinion on women in politics, the idea seemed laughable. <laughs> And just, and just this morning, a State Department official met with the workers on this base, the Afghan local nationals, and told them that they are going to work on bringing their families onto this base and getting both them and their families out of the country. Savannah? Richard, you've obviously covered this country for many, many years. What has this latest crisis been like on the ground? How are people there in Afghanistan reacting to the beginning of Taliban rule? So most people are afraid. Some people are trying to leave their homes. Most are just staying inside. But we are seeing for the first time a bit of resistance, perhaps the Taliban showing their true colors. There has been uh, yesterday a very small demonstration of some very brave Afghan women demanding their rights. And then earlier today, some Afghans in the city of Jalalabad brought out the old Afghan flag and they were saying, this is our flag and we support it. We don't want the white Taliban flag. But according to witnesses, as they were holding that small demonstration, the Taliban drove by in a vehicle, opened fire on the demonstrators, and according to witnesses, killed at least three of those demonstrators. Wow.
just speaks to their courage, Richard. Thank you very much. All right. As we mentioned, President Biden returned to Washington overnight, where frustration and pressure are mounting over that situation in Afghanistan, his order to withdraw U.S. troops, and how this whole thing's being handled. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Peter Alexander, joins us with more this morning. Hey, Peter, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Just within the last several hours, the first Afghan civilians since the fall of Kabul arriving here in the U.S. Those flights touching down at Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C. within the last couple of hours. And as the fallout builds this morning, we're also learning that just last month, even as President Biden told Americans that Afghanistan was unlikely to fall to the Taliban, U.S. intelligence assessments were detailing a far more dire situation and the potential for a quick Taliban takeover, just as we've seen happen. President Biden now back at the White House, but still facing criticism over how the U.S. was so unprepared for the Afghanistan withdrawal. His national security advisor defending the president's decisions despite those scenes of chaos. When you conclude 20 years of military action in a civil war in another country, you have to make a lot of hard calls, none with clean outcomes. The White House's immediate priority, those evacuations, aiming to move five to 9,000 Americans and Afghan allies out of the country each day. The administration now relying on the Taliban to clear the way. The Taliban have informed us that they are prepared to provide the safe passage of civilians to the airport, and we intend to hold them to that commitment. Current and former officials tell NBC News that in recent weeks, the CIA began to warn in increasingly stark terms about the potential for a rapid collapse of the Afghan government and military. The White House will not confirm whether President Biden ever received such a dire forecast from his national security team. Overnight, former President Trump weighing in. This is the greatest embarrassment, I believe, in the history of our country. However, many White House officials say the deal Mr. Trump negotiated with the Taliban and his own earlier withdrawal date left them with few good alternatives. But President Biden's own party is also demanding answers. The Democratic chairs of the House and Senate Foreign Relations Committees demanding an accounting and Capitol Hill testimony. Former Defense Secretary Leon Panetta says that while the U.S. was successful in its post-9-11 mission to target al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, America has failed its second mission to prevent Afghanistan from becoming a hotbed for terrorism, with the Taliban now back in control. There is no question that they will provide a safe haven for al-Qaeda and for ISIS and for other terrorists. The administration is now singularly focused on getting Americans and our Afghan allies out overnight, reporting U.S. military flights have now evacuated more than 3,200 people, including roughly 1,100 U.S. citizens, permanent residents, and their families. And late Tuesday, for the first time since the fall of Kabul, President Biden spoke to Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The White House saying President Biden will convene a virtual meeting with G7 leaders next week to discuss the strategy going forward. Hold in Savannah. All right, Peter, thank you. And also coming up in our next half hour, we will hear from people with a unique perspective on the situation, U.S. veterans who served in Afghanistan and still have close contacts there. And now to the next steps in the fight against the coronavirus. We expect to learn more from health officials today about the plans to roll out vaccine booster shots. In the meantime, cases and hospitalizations continue to surge in major cities are once again clamping down on masks. We're going to talk about all of it with Dr. Richard Besser just ahead. But first, NBC's Sam Brock in Miami with the very latest. Sam, good morning. 
Savannah, good morning. So many people right now probably confused about the booster shot. It is literally the exact same shot you have already received at sites like these. Health officials right now hope that the third time will create enough antibody production to ward off the Delta variant and other mutations. Looking for a new weapon against the aggressive Delta variant that's been rapidly undoing months of progress against COVID, the federal government is expected to unveil a plan today for an extra booster shot for all vaccinated Americans. Part of our operational focus was ensuring we had enough supply to provide booster shots should that be a decision made by the FDA. So that has been in our planning processes for months now. The White House has not yet tipped its hand on many details, but NIH director Dr. Francis Collins did say a study out of Israel is unnerving. It found for those 65 or older who received their second shot in January, the vaccine is now only 55% effective against severe disease. That's the same thing we're starting to see in the U.S. data, although right now it still looks as if our vaccine uh, protection is working really well. But we don't want to wait until it's like, oh, too late. Health officials say a third shot would add an extra layer of protection and would come at least eight months after your second dose. Does it seem likely that there was some data at play here that probably triggered alarm bells for the federal government? The CDC has been collecting data and they must see a signal amongst all the noise that has caused for them to want to take what I think of as preventive action. We really can prevent hospitalizations and death. As you may have heard by now, I have tested positive for COVID-19. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's banned mask and vaccine mandates in his state, testing positive for the virus after attending this packed indoor event with few visible masks. The governor says he's fully vaccinated, and two sources say Abbott even told people he'd received a third shot. Elsewhere, a very different approach. Leaders in New Mexico and Chicago announcing an indoor mask mandate for everyone two and up, regardless of vaccination status. And if you want to fly, keep a face covering handy. The TSA extending its mask rule through January 18th of 2022. As for timing on the booster shot and folks who might be getting nervous and try to get it early, the NIH director says it's important to give your immune system enough time to realize your full antibody potential. Otherwise, guys, the booster shot might not be as effective. Savannah, back to you. All right, Sam, thank you. We want to turn now to Dr. Richard Besser, the former acting director of the CDC, now president of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Doctor, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you, Savannah. So the CDC is expected to present its case for a third booster shot. What in your mind is driving this concern that the protection from these vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, wanes over time? You know, Savannah, I, I think there's there's probably two things we're going to hear about. One is uh, the the most dire concern, and that would be if they're starting to see an increased risk of severe infection, hospitalization or or death. Uh, in Israel, as, as, as Dr. Collins was saying uh, over the weekend, they are seeing an increased risk of, of severe infection. And, and that was what CDC has been watching for the most. The other piece of it, though, and I think they'll address this as well, is that we are seeing widespread transmission of Delta around the country, and we are seeing a significant number of breakthrough infections. Um, clearly, the vaccine reduces dramatically your risk of, of having any infection. Um, but if we want to get this Delta variant under control, and if we are seeing seeing a number of people who are fully vaccinated getting infected, uh, a booster shot could help with that. But to be clear right now, that booster shot would be the exact same shot that those of us who've had the Pfizer or Moderna have already received. In other words, it's not yet tailored to the Delta variant. 
Exactly. And, and the expectation is that they're going to recommend that people get the same vaccine that they received for their primary series of, 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 of two shots. But they'll lay that out today as to why. But it is not a new vaccine. It is one of the vaccines that's already been authorized by the FDA. Let's talk about breakthrough infections, because we know from talking to experts like you over these last few months that the vaccines were never promised to say you wouldn't get infected at all. They're supposed to stop you from getting really sick or from dying. The New York Times is reporting that breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated people actually have accounted for 12 to 24 percent of hospitalizations in the six states that they looked at. How concerning is that? Well, that's what I was talking about before. So it, if in terms of breakthrough infections, it's it's largely or exclusively either mild or infections or infections with no symptoms at all, that would be a different story. But if we're starting to see people who are fully vaccinated be hospitalized, that's a reason to, to go for, for boosters. In particular, if they're seeing increased hospitalization or increased severe infection among those groups that have already shown that they're at the greatest risk, mm. uh, the elderly, people who are in nursing homes, uh, people with certain medical conditions. Um, that's another reason why it's important to get, get boosters. And this is, is something that's seen for other infections as well. We, we all get a flu, a flu shot each year, and, and part of that is because of the need for a boosting effect. Yeah, that was my, I was going to ask you a quick final thought, because you do wonder if this is going to increase vaccine hesitancy and skepticism. I mean, on the one hand, it's pretty straightforward. We get booster shots all the time for the flu shot. But on the other hand, are people going to say, aha, First, you said two shots. Now you say three. What is this all about? Can you be trusted? Yeah, you know, I, I, I hope not. If you look at who's hospitalized and who's dying, uh, the vast majority, 90% for hospitalizations, higher in many places, 99 plus percent of people who are dying are people who are unvaccinated. It is the best way to protect your health and the health of those around you. Uh, but Savannah, the, 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 my last thought is that if we don't do more as a nation to provide vaccine around the globe, uh, we are going to be continuing to face COVID and new variants uh, for the indefinite future. We are at risk as long as there's widespread global transmission of COVID. Uh, good point um, and maybe one for discussion later because uh, it's really an important one. Dr. Besser, thank you so much. And in our next hour, we're going to take a closer look at what is driving the rise of these breakthrough COVID cases. First, Tom is in for Craig. Got another story we're following out west, Tom. Hey, guys, good morning. Yeah, the wildfires in Northern California are growing and advancing towards more populated areas, leading to evacuations. The Caldor fire tripled in size in just hours yesterday, raging through the small town of Grizzly Flats, burning dozens of homes. It prompted Governor Gavin Newsom to declare a state of emergency for the area. Pacific gas and electric shut off power in 18 communities to prevent gusting winds from sparking power lines. North of that area, the Dixie Fire is advancing towards the town of Susanville. To give you an idea of how bad it is across the state line in Nevada, the Reno Spark School District delayed its start time because of smoke blanketing the region. Guys, it is so busy out west with those wildfires. That brings us nicely mm -hmm. to Al, who's following that, as well as the remnants of Fred. Yeah, in fact, right now, if that Dixie fire gets to Susanville, it'll be the first time ever a fire has crossed the Sierra Mountain. I mean, it, it, this would be a trans-Sierra event. It's already burned 627,000 acres. That's three times the size of Manhattan. And we've got more bad news there. 104 active fires in the U.S. today, most of those in the, the West, poor air quality. And the wind are shifting now, coming down to the south. So instead of going out east, they are
they're moving to the south, San Luis Obispo, San Francisco, Los Angeles, as far south as San Diego. Now, we're also keeping an eye on the tropics. we got three systems we're watching. Henri, we're going to look at that in the next half hour. Grace, moving away from Cuba into the Yucatan, not a problem really for us right now. But Tropical Depression, Fred is a big, uh, big weather maker. We've got a risk of a severe weather for 11 million people, especially in the northeast. Tornadoes likely later today into tonight. Damaging winds, hail threat rather low, but we are also watching a lot of rain with this system. 27 million people impacted by flash flood watches, mostly in the northeast and into parts of New England later today. The system moves up to the north. A risk for flooding. Strong winds continues to move east. The low will slide tomorrow into New England with heavy rain from upstate New York on into Maine. Look at some of these rainfall totals. One to two inch rainfalls likely per hour, upwards of six inches of rain through the Alleghenies and on up into the Catskills and into the Northeast as well, continuing to track this during the day to day. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. And coming up, an eye-opening conversation with a group of U.S. veterans who served in Afghanistan, their reaction to the country's fall, the progress they say is going to waste now and how they're trying to help the Afghans who once helped them. And then we got a Today exclusive. She's in our studio. She uh, conquered cancer, now Haley Arsenault. She's about to make history. This young woman is heading to space with just a few weeks to go. She's here. She is in Studio 1A. We're excited. <laughs> She's using her trip to inspire other young people who are fighting cancer. Cannot wait to sit and visit with her. But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up inside our day of fun in the sun, we filled in as summer camp counselors from hoops to sack races to science flipping slides. We had some fun. We tapped into our inner child. We're going to show you all about it. But first, this is Today on NBC. We're back 7.30 Wednesday morning. Isn't that pretty? Mm, it's the 18th of August, 2021. Nice. Boy, the days of summer. Mm. They're waning, but it's not over. Summer is not over. Looking pretty nice in Corolla, North Carolina. Did I say that right? That Corolla, right? North Corolla. Carolina. We'll Alpha's buy it. We'll yes. That's right. Okay. Looks it's forecast cool. coming up. Looking forward, forward to it right there. Okay. Yeah. 
Did you? I get it. I got it. He said north of Camry. I didn't get it. Car, car, hashtag car. It's a little Toyota joke. Yeah, That's right. Just south of Sienna. It's fantastic. Goodbye. All right. But first, let's get to your 7:30 headlines this morning, and we're going to start with a blow to those Texas Democrats trying to block an election bill in the state legislature. There, the Texas Supreme Court ruled last night that the House of Representatives can arrest absent members and force them to return to the chamber to conduct their business. The Democratic lawmakers have used the only option available to them, they say, delay tactics to stop that bill. They say it restricts voting rights. In July, a majority of the delegation fled to Washington, D.C., pressing Congress to pass a national voting rights law. The FDA is warning dog owners about feeding their pup food from an Indiana company. The agency said yesterday that products from Midwestern pet foods are associated with the illness or deaths of hundreds of pets. At least 130 dogs have died. More than 200 became sick. The FDA says the products may contain potentially unsafe levels of mold, a mold byproduct. The company is silent on the issue so far. Okay, and the thermometer still reads summer, but that's no concern for lovers of the iconic fall flavor, pumpkin spice. Love it or despise it, starting today, pumpkin spice is back earlier than ever at Dunkin', featuring its signature latte, as well as a new pumpkin cream cold brew. Meantime, the fall menu at Starbucks is expected to debut next week. And not to be outdone, the Starbucks, uh, Starbucks released its new at-home pumpkin products oh, earlier this month. Great. People, it is still summer. Oh my gosh, let's go to Angry Man on this. I just, what is the point? First of all, there's no pumpkin in it. There's no spice. There's berry a latte. Stop it. Stop it. You don't dig it? I hate it. And a lot of America hates it too. How, how many of you in here hate it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The whole crew is revolting. In fact, pumpkin spice is revolting. We have an uprising on our hands. Oh, all right, Al. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to just have a regular, a regular black coffee. Right. Get maybe, wired up maybe, again. Maybe decaf. No, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> All right, Angry. Thank you, Al. Okay, guys, uh, we do want to switch gears now, and we do want to get back to this morning's top story, the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban and the end of America's longest war. Yeah, for U.S. service members who served there, the situation is deeply personal, and they've got a lot to say about how things are playing out and about the Afghan people who helped them and are now left behind. NBC's Hallie Jackson spoke to a group of four veterans. Hallie, good morning. Hey, good morning to all of you. You know, for those veterans, making sure that their Afghan interpreters and other helpers get out safely came up again and again in our conversation as they shared what they're feeling, the guilt, anger, and anguish. American veterans watching the devastating images of the Taliban takeover they worked so hard to prevent. As you've been watching what has happened in the last 72 hours, how are you doing? I want to suit up and go back. I would give anything to go back. For them, it's personal as the Biden administration works to process and evacuate Afghan interpreters, fixers, and other helpers. My interpreter yeah. who's stuck right now, who I'm trying to get out, he's hiding out in an area where he says that uh, nobody knows who he is. He's very afraid. Yeah. For his own safety, right, Kristen? Yes, for his safety and for the safety of his family. He sent me a picture of, uh, of two, two of his boys and... They're, I mean, I'm just, it's devastating. I feel this, this really strong sense of guilt. It was my job to, you know, go around to these different villages to help them build their country and make it a better place. And, and this just completely makes me a liar, you know. 
And it's not just the, the soldiers we're talking about, right? It's the diplomats, the aid workers, the people who believed in the, the, the future of this country that we were all trying to build together. They don't have a future now. They're still fighting now, banding together to help those who helped them. This is, you know, a deployment from my living room. There's so many of us who are trying to do everything that we can. I've just had to put aside everything else um, because I feel responsible. My two friends who are still stuck in Kabul are, I'm the only hope that they have to survive right now. I'm like literally their last hope. Marine Corps veteran Bo Wise deployed twice to Afghanistan, pulled from the battlefield after his two brothers, who also served, were killed there. He remembers them in his memoir, Three Wise Men. It's frustration all the way around. I mean, everything that we worked so hard for. As they worked to rescue the Afghans who sacrificed to help them, the veterans, reflecting on the war's legacy. You talk about your kids, four and two now. How do you want them to remember this war? Oh, that's a heck of a question. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to be ashamed of anything. I mean, we... Uh, we lost for a few weeks, but we won for 20 years, and I want them to be proud. One other thing that came up again and again is the idea of the Taliban now, as we've talked about here on the show, pledging more peaceful relations. None of the veterans we spoke with actually believe that will happen. They do not think the Taliban has changed. They do not think the Taliban can be trusted, given what they saw on the ground over the last two decades. But I got to tell you guys, these are people, they are not in Afghanistan anymore, but boy, they are on a mission unbelievably dedicated to making sure that those Afghan helpers get out. Even after our interview, Savannah, they're passing around, you know, spreadsheets and contact information. They will not stop until those people get to safety. Well, Savannah. They're not there, but their hearts are there. Mm -hmm. That's right. Hallie, thank you very much. All right, up next, we head to the Cosmos, the countdown to the first all-civilian space mission now less than a month away. Among the crew, a remarkable cancer survivor who will achieve several firsts. And guess what? She's with, with us exclusively to talk about that mission and how it'll help bring the very hospital that once saved her life some attention coming up right after this. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We're back 740 with In-Depth today. Well, in less than a month, four regular American civilians will lift off in a SpaceX rocket as part of the first all-civilian mission into Earth's orbit. Pretty cool. 29-year-old Haley Arsenault is one of those four. She is here with us exclusively to share new details about how her team is training. But first, a look at how Haley arrived at this moment. For 29-year-old Haley Arsenault, life has always been about beating the odds. When she was just 10 years old, Haley was diagnosed with bone cancer, becoming a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. After chemo and surgery to install prosthetic bones in her left leg, Haley left St. Jude with a dream. What are your dreams? What do you dream about? I want to be a nurse at St. Jude. 
19 years later, Haley's dream became a reality when she was hired by St. Jude as a physician's assistant in their oncology unit. But for all those years, Haley was holding on to another dream, too. A few months before I was diagnosed, my family went to NASA in Houston. And, um, and of, of course, I wanted to be an astronaut after I went there. Now, Haley is less than a month away from reaching her dreams of space. She's one of four crew members on the Inspiration 4 team, occupying a seat donated to St. Jude by mission commander and billionaire Jared Isaacman. The team will take off on one of Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets for the first all-civilian trip into the Earth's orbit. Haley chronicling the team's preps online, including a test of zero-gravity flight, fighter jet training in Montana, and even signing the rocket that will take her and the team to space. Right now, I just feel nothing but excitement and the good butterflies. After she was named to the flight, Haley She's told fine. today her most important so mission is being an example for children fighting cancer, showing them that their biggest dreams can come true, too. I can't wait to talk to my patients about this and just to show them that they don't have to limit themselves because they can really do anything. We are so excited to have Haley Arsenault joining us here in Studio One. Haley, you're about to have a lot of firsts, girl. You are the youngest going up in space. You are the first Cajun going up in space. Are we right about that? Yes, and the first person with a prosthetic body yeah. part, too. Yeah. You've been getting ready, and when I read about how you all have been training these yeah. last six months, it looked like the adventure of a lifetime. Fill us in. What have you guys been doing? I feel like I'm getting all these once-in-a-lifetime experiences mm -hmm. in one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's... So, training for space has been a lot of studying, but also a lot of really fun adventures. We did a zero-gravity flight, which was one of the most fun things I've ever done. Got to experience the no-gravity. We climbed a mountain together. We did centrifuge training to get accustomed to the G-forces we're going to experience and some water survival training. I, we've done it all. There's a picture behind you of you, you know, floating in, in air. What did that feel like for you? It was the weirdest sensation of, of not being attached to anything. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I did run into a lot of walls and ceiling <laughs> because it's harder than you would expect to navigate in zero gravity, but really cool training. You guys did a, a three-day simulator experience that's going to be very close to what you experience in space, we, right? We did a 30-hour just oh, the 30 other hour, week. Yeah. And we did everything that we're going to do in space. We did the research. Mm -hmm. We practiced eating our space foods and wearing our space clothes. And that was such good preparation to feel like we're really ready when they strap us in in four weeks. I did want to ask you about the yeah. space suit because you were rocking it. You and also the zero gravity you. hair is working for you. <laughs> it's like better than Beyonce. How did it feel when you first put your space suit on? So actually it was just the other week that I got to actually put on my space suit. Uh -huh. And it's so sleek, it's so cool. And I went and looked in the mirror and it was just the craziest thing that I felt like I'm an actual astronaut. I'm going to space. This is happening. I remember when you were asked to do this, you said one of the first things you had to do was ask your mom if it was yes. okay. So your mom is now seeing this become a reality. How does she feel watching you go through all this? She's so proud. She's my biggest supporter and my biggest cheerleader. And we're getting to go through this together because this is such an experience for the families as well. And so they're making sure the families are comfortable. We're actually going to go see a launch together next week, mm -hmm. um, another SpaceX launch. And so the families will know what it's like to see a launch. Well, one of the things I wondered is, how do you pack for space? Yeah. And you get to bring <laughs> your own suitcase, kind of full of personal items and, and mementos. Have you thought about what you're going to pack? That was one of the first things I thought about. I actually looked online, like, what to bring to space? <laughs> and there are no travel blogs. And, um, and so I'm bringing some 
some things that represent me. And I'm bringing pictures of friends I lost through the years to cancer because mm. they're such an important part of why we're going on this mission, raising money for St. Jude. And there was also a, a memento from your dad that I thought was super sweet. I lost my dad to cancer just three years ago, and he had this, this really bold St. Jude tie <laughs> that I would always say, don't wear that. It is mm -hmm. not the most fashionable. But he would insist on wearing it because he said people would ask him about him, and then he could tell them about St. Jude. And so I'm bringing his tie to space. And, you, and your, your mom gave you some letters that you're supposed to open when you are up in space. My, my close family wrote me letters that mm. on the envelope say to open in space. And I'm being really good. I'm not going to open <laughs> them on Earth, but it's going to be really special. Oh, we might have some tears. What happens to I happy so. tears in space? Do they float. just fly around? Float. I'll let you know because I think that's going to be really powerful for me. Well, wow. Haley, we are rooting for you. I think it's, when you're up in space, there's going to be an extra sunshine up there because <laughs> you're just amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. And doing much. great work for the kids you care so much about at St. Jude. Congratulations. We'll be Haley. watching. We can't wait. Yeah. All right, and you're actually going to stick around. There's more with you on the third hour. We're excited for that, too. But let's head over to Al for a check of the weather. Hey, Al. Got a big smile right there. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, great. <laughs> now, let's see what we've got going on in the tropics. We told you about Tropical Storm Henri. It's expected to become a hurricane over the next several days with 65-mile-per-hour winds. It's just to the south-southwest of Bermuda. And right now, the track keeps it off the continental United States. However, as you look at the, the track here, by Monday at 3 a.m., the cone of uncertainty includes Nantucket, so we're going to be watching that very, very closely. Minneapolis is going to see temperatures way above average today. Same in Omaha, Denver, North Platte, Bismarck. Behind this cold front, temperatures anywhere from 10 to 20 degrees below average. And then as the system moves to the east, we keep those warmer than average temperatures from Minneapolis, Marquette, Chicago, Des Moines, International Falls. Still chilly back through the plains. But as we get into the weekend, temperatures nice and summer-like. Mid-80s for New York, Richmond, upper 80s in Charlotte, same in Detroit, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Minneapolis. You're going to see cooler conditions with temperatures into the weekend into the upper 70s. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al, thank you. And still ahead, why are people who are vaccinated still getting COVID? Do certain shots make you more susceptible? We're breaking down everything you need to know about breakthrough cases and the good news about the vaccine's protection. But first, these messages. And we are back with Chanel. And what's ahead on Pop? Good morning. We have great stuff for you this morning. We have your first look at Princess Diana and Prince Charles and the new season of The Crown. But first, this is Today on NBC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.